0: Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space.
1: Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so.
0: On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow and I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces Podcast.
1: Without further ado, let's get on with the show.
0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to your favorite podcast. This is the Outer Spaces Podcast with your host, Joshua Gillow, and alongside uh, my buddy here, Double D, from Chicagoland area. What's going on, Dwayne? What's
1: going on, my man? I, th- I think I get a new nickname every time you uh, <laughs> launch the show. <laughs> I keep trying to be creative so it doesn't get boring, right? You know how you do like to take out clips? I think I'm going to go through every podcast and just figure out which nickname I like the best. You know, what I mean to I go from there? Um, everything's going well, man. Just a crazy week. Very busy. I think it's been a very busy three weeks. Um, I'm realizing that VizX is running basically on its own because Dwayne is not at work. <laughs> 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 the is do they even miss
0: you? They're probably happier without yeah, you, right?
1: yeah and see, we're seem to be making more money without me. Um so uh everything's good. Uh yesterday was pretty dope. Um, it's sort of the the experience that I enjoy about the most about doing this is that uh, I get to travel, you know what I mean? So I have projects out of state, uh two projects I had in Ohio. Um, so I I, t- I did a turn and burn yesterday, hopped on a plane at geez, um Eight o'clock in the morning, got to Columbus, Ohio, took care of clients, met with everybody, got measurements, everything else. Then hop back on a bird at six o'clock and you back home in Chicago. You know I mean just pretty wild how 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 that life is. I
0: still have to pinch myself every time it happens, you know. Yeah, and you, you're telling me about uh, a new awesome thing you discovered at the airport behind the big doors. What's back there, Dwayne? Let us know. Yeah, dude.
1: Oh 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 the the lounge space, yes. bro. Yeah 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 yeah. Like I am the official. Uh, I got to hit the American Airlines uh, lounge for like three hours yesterday. So I just sat and chilled. Uh, I even matter of fact, I took a nap. I chilled. You know what I mean I, I drank? I ate? I was pretty much hammered when I got back last time. I was probably yeah. You know, I, I don't want to say it on live, but I, I I had to chill out a little bit. You mean know, before I hopped in my car, <laughs> oh. <laughs> especially with the first class seats and the drinks there. So you mean, it was an evening. It was a nice yeah. evening.
0: <laughs> yeah, imagine that flying through time and space and being able to enjoy that uh, experience to the top. I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's dope. Um, I had some amazing, I think we talked about a little bit, but um, Isabel, she did something about two months ago. We were in actually in Ohio. Man, it's funny. It's just something with Ohio. So we were in Ohio and she was talking to this lady at Macy's and the lady had grabbed her to just sort of put her hand on her and say, you know, how are you doing? And the lady said, you know, I'm just tired working so hard. We're short staffed and I'm just tired. And so Isabel said she had like this discernment to give this lady a hundred bucks. So she went around shopping to this thing. And it's like this discernment kept hitting her. Give her a hundred bucks. Give her a hundred bucks. And Isabel's like fighting it. And finally, before she leaves, she pulls a hundred dollars out of her wallet and she just gives the lady a handshake. And the lady's like, no, no. And she's like, you don't have to do that. And Isabel just walks out. So yesterday I'm at this restaurant at the airport in Ohio. So it must be Ohio. Must be an Ohio thing for now. Um, so I'm at the restaurant, and this lady, she's about maybe 55. You mean look like she's? I wouldn't say she looks like she's had a rough life. It's just look like she's worked. She's been working her ass off. You mean her yeah. life? And so I'm watching her work, work, work. I mean, this lady never took a break. I mean. Just everywhere, she's washing dishes. She's serving. She's doing wine. She's doing drinks. She's dropping food. I'm like, God dang, this lady's killing it! And she was actually started. You know how you, you wash? They have like the little sink where they wash the the glasses. Mm-hmm. She was doing that in front of me, and I looked over at her and I said, I said, you are killing it! Like you're working your butt off. And she gave me this look, like you you noticed. Like it was almost like she she finally got notice because like the managers or the boss probably don't even give a shit just get to work and do your thing so as I was leaving I got hit with it whatever Isabel got hit I got hit with it it said give this lady a hundred bucks so I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking about it and I'm fighting like no dude don't give him a hundred bucks that's a hundred dollars that's a lot of fucking money like get out of here the bill's not but 21 dollars you know what I mean so I just said, fuck it. I just pulled out the $100. I I called her over to my spot. I said, listen, here. I said, I've already tipped on the card. I said, but I want you to have this. And I sort of just gave her a handshake and, and gave it. And she's like, mister, no. And I just walk out. Like I did just did some pimp shit. You know what I mean? Like some Kaiser <laughs> Soze just walked the fuck out, went to the bathroom. And I didn't even, the restaurant was probably like, what the hell just happened? But I just walked out. I didn't even really care. But the feeling that I got from that was... You can't reduplicate. It was amazing. Like there were pins and needles that completely engulfed my entire body. I almost had like, you know, I mean, the softness of where a tear would come out of your eye. Mm -hmm. I almost had that softness. But I guess me going directly to the bathroom is probably what you mean, didn't show that or didn't probably push that emotion. It's pretty deep.
0: I love that, dude. I love that. You just never know where people are in the moment. And so many that work so freaking hard out there, you know, in the, especially in hospitality and restaurants and all that, that are, they feel underappreciated. They're beat up all day by their bosses or by the other team members and, or the um, people coming in and out, you know, and, and. All they want to do is be happy at the end of the day, right? And most of them have families and all that stuff. And my hat's go. My hat goes off. I was in the restaurant uh, arena for a while when I first started, believe it or not. I had a part-time job that I did when I first started uh, my first company. And, you know, I saw how tough it is in that business, for sure. And so much is relying on tips. And people, if it's tough at home, they're not tipping either. They don't understand the more they give, the more they get in life. And, you know, there's just so many pieces. So... I can imagine that changed her life and changed the day and not even the hundred dollars, but the fact that she actually felt valued, that you would take the time out of your day to spend time and show her your gratitude. That's awesome, dude.
1: Yeah. And all I kept thinking on the flight, you I mean out of there was like, she's probably like, I didn't really know this guy. Like, you know what I mean? We really didn't yeah. talk. We didn't say anything. Like, I just kept thinking like, what is she thinking right now? Like I didn't know her. You mean she's like, why the fuck did this guy just you mean know, pop me this and and it was just it was just a beautiful moment and and I thought and I was like, wow, that's what Isabel felt like. I even texted Isabel. I said, I just did your hundred dollar move, and and the first thing she said was, how did you feel? Yeah, and I was like, whoa.
0: Yeah. That's just something so powerful. And if you're only tipping a dollar, five dollars or ten dollars or twenty dollars, you know, that if that feel if that really feels like a lot to you, then that's great. But you've got to not even a tipping part, but if you're gonna do this and you wanna help others that are struggling or you can feel that their energies are off, or they could just use a, a boost or a, you know, some some gratitude for what they're doing and you wanna do this, make sure you give where where you feel it. You know, if it is fifty bucks, if it is a hundred bucks, if it's three hundred bucks, whatever the hell it is for you you know, as a kind of a random act of goodness, you know, do that, but make sure you can feel it because then it actually means something to you. If it's a dollar, $2, 50 cents or, you know, $10 and that doesn't mean anything to you, then this entire thing, it does happen. It does help them, but it doesn't impact you as much as knowing that a hundred dollars could have bought you a bunch of cool stuff. And you're like, no, I don't need that stuff. I want to make sure that they are more, you know, taken care of during this time and just so powerful. Shit, if I gave you two, $2 three years ago, I'd have felt that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Everybody has a different level. And that's why I'm premising it that way. Because it's, uh, it's, it's everyone sees it differently. But make sure when you give like that, that it's actually you're giving something that, uh, that's powerful to you and not something that you, know, you could just sweep under the rug and not care about. You know what I mean? So it all depends on what level yeah. you're at. And, you know, for me, when I travel um and i just let the universe do this but you know as i'm traveling it tends to be homeless people that we eventually sit down and have conversations and when i was a kid i was scared to death of most taught don't ever talk to those people they're probably dirty they're probably going to try to rob you they're probably going to you know fall drugged out you never know what they're going to do and i'm like oh, as i got older i'm like no they're humans they're humans just like you and me dude there's nothing different with them they've made choices that put them where they are right now but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve at least a conversation So I'll sit down and have conversations. Some of the most empowering conversations I've had is with homeless people in a park or at an airport, you know, outside the airport or somewhere, who the hell knows, just in the city, having a conversation at a gas station at two o'clock in the morning. Like You just never know when it's going to happen. But... It just let it happen organically. 99% of the time you're going to be just fine. And there's stories that they tell and it's, it's just an amazing thing. And then you, I try to figure out how I can help them, whether I can point them in a direction, whether I can help them financially, whatever it might be, whatever comes to my heart and whatever makes sense at that time, that's, that's what we do. And, and, you know, I don't sit here in judgment of it, like, oh my God, he or she might take that money and go buy drugs or alcohol, or they might go, you know, who the hell knows what they're going to do next. That's not my place to judge. I'm here to give for the sake of giving. And what they do with it after that is on them. That's that's how I see it. So if others would be as as open to that and not try to judge them instantly for decisions that they made and realize they're all humans and they all have a story and they all have families and they all have wants, needs and dreams. How can we help them? How can we make one move? And if it's not giving money to other people, can you at, at least maybe hold a door for somebody when you're walking in out of Starbucks? Or, you know, you see somebody in a parking lot that's looking, you can see they're older and they want to get a front parking spot because they have a tough time moving around and they don't have a handicap sticker because they're too proud for that yet. Give them the space. You know, don't cut them off and say, I want the best space. Give them the, just, just be nice. Just treat people the way you'd want to be treated in that situation and the whole world would be a better place. Yeah. it's crazy. You
1: know, I'm actually add to that. Um, I actually lied. I actually did this um, before when i when i remember when i was dropping my daughter off at um college this year in, in georgia isabel and i were sitting outside and we were just hanging out just listening to the sounds of atlanta and this guy came by and he wanted to sing for us and, you know my first instinct is like dog get the away from me you know what I mean? i'm hanging mm-hmm. out and he just kept begging like mister i just wanted i'm like bro i don't really care for you to sing and and i'm judging like bro like <laughs> You're living on the streets. What what song are you going to sing? And then he kept saying, look at Isabel while I sing. And I'm like, nah, bro, I'm from the hood, too. Bro. I'm not going to stare at her. And you have somebody come clip me from the back. I said, I'll keep my eyes on you. You actually sang. It's pretty dope. But. After he got done singing, we just had one hell of a conversation. I mean, it was so powerful; the universe shook. Like, and it was. It yeah. lasted for about an hour, yeah. and he was really focused on Isabel. And him and Isabel just had had like a moment. Like, if I was a jealous guy, I'd be like, "Damn, he's trying to take my chick." You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was a really powerful moment, and I was like, "Bro, like, I don't have any cash on you." He's like, "Bro, I got Cash App." I'm like, "Damn, you homeless? You got Cash App?" Like, fuck it, I'll just send him some money anyway. And I sent him a hundred bucks. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, I guess that was a significant thing. And I, I, I forgot about that. It was actually in Atlanta, Georgia. Just did that one um, recently, too. So, wow.
0: Yep. It's happening, dude. When you start, giving more, you start getting more, you start getting more in life. life. And there's something so beautiful about just being able to give with no expectations and to be able to receive. As a human being, you know, with no expectations, so often we want to give, give, give and help with our time and our money and that kind of stuff. But then when somebody does the same for us, we're like, no, no, we don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need need the money. We don't need the time. We don't need any of that stuff. But if you are never going to be a good giver, if you aren't a good receiver, and it's so important to be able to take that, because if you say no to somebody, say they want to pay the bill at a restaurant and you, and they they really want to, and you say, no, I'm going to do this. You're not just taking on control of the situation. You're also robbing them of the opportunity to give as well. So hmm. think about that yeah. next time that happens. If it's the case and somebody's really, really passionate about taking the bill or paying the Uber or whatever, just say, cool, I'll catch you next time. And just be, just say, thank you, that's awesome. And just let them give. Don't try to take over and don't try this macho ego bullshit where you always got to pay. I used to be that guy. That's why I know this. And now I finally have learned how to receive. And it's so much more of an amazing experience when you have someone else who can also participate in this game and give as well and not always be you that has to do it every single time. And you're stealing it from them. You're stealing that joy from them. So don't do that.
1: Yeah, I'm sort of See, that's sort of the newness to me now, though, like if we go out to eat and stuff like that. Um, I'm first to pay the entire bill. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. It's just that I remember when I used to be terrified to go out to eat with somebody because um, I was going to have to pay my portion. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, I don't have it. So now I have the ability to just rock the entire bill. And so I actually do have a, a issue with somebody giving me stuff. I really do. Like it's sort of this macho. I can do it on my own type thing. Or, um, I think for the longest time is do I deserve it? I mean, I I think we go through, do I, do we deserve what's being given to us? And I think a lot of times we destroy ourselves. You mean, we, we don't trust who we are. We're, we're very detrimental. I'm actually reading another book by now by Mel Robbins Mm -hmm. and she's going into a very deep dive on how, We just destroy ourselves like everybody does. Mm -hmm. And it starts with
0: that self-love and self-confidence and knowing that you are worth it and you are enough as you stand right now. Whether you're really proud of yourself or not, this is where you need to start. And, you know, it's especially for men. You know, we find this is the vulnerability side of things is so, so taboo you know because as men we were taught yeah. as kids you know stiff upper lip and don't cry even at funerals you're not allowed to show emotion you have to be strong for everybody else and inside you're just crushed but you can't let the emotion out we're humans we are emotional creatures that's one of the most amazing things about us is that we can actually process things emotionally but as guys we're not allowed to right? We're just told not to, we always have to be strong, always have to do that crap. But you know, and I know I've talked about on on another podcast, but it's, you know, about vulnerability being a superpower, especially as men to be vulnerable, to be able to be open to listening and to be told things that you might not even want to be told about how you're acting and having to sit there and think about it and say, you know what, they're actually right. I do that. And I shouldn't do that. Um, Or admit something that you'd never admit to anybody else, you know, and be totally, totally open. Like for For me personally, it's, it's about, I just went through uh, an event, uh, last about two weeks ago where it really opened me up to this, this idea that, um, you know, in life, obviously, I'm going to many directions with different businesses and different achievements that I'm after, and growing and growing and growing, and focusing on growing. And the entire story I'm telling myself the whole time is that I'm growing all this stuff: the real estate empire, the the uh, you know the, the design manage company, the uh, you know Yes Express and, and coaching and all that stuff. I'm growing all that for my family. Right. I kept saying to myself, it's, it's for the family. I'm putting in these insane hours and doing all this crazy stuff and, and going, you know, just having a blast doing it, but really pushing like crazy, like superhuman crazy. And I keep thinking like, all right, it's for the family. When what I realized during that event is, you know, there's there's that side. There's the contribution, the love and the giving side, which is what I'd like to think it's all about. But what I did realize is it was more for my significance and my ego. Right. Because as a kid, I grew up as a nobody fly on the wall. And I was like, wow, all of a sudden I have an opportunity to have a, a voice like here in the podcast where others listen and and I can help guide them through some of the, the crap that I did that was dumb. And now they can get around it and go faster and, you know, and, and be able to share some of the stories. But I realized that, you know, that significance and ego were braided so tightly like a rope into our contribution, giving and, you know, our growth, our growth mindset and really being able to separate the two and see them. And, and the, as far as if there's two, two pieces of rope braided together, the one side, you'd think they'd be somewhat equal, or maybe the ego and significance side would be smaller, but it was actually larger. So hopefully that metaphor makes it easier to understand. But what I realized during this event is that I need to spin that around, you know, instead of it being a 60, 40, 60% ego and significance of 40% being love and contribution, I need to spin that around. And I gotta really focus on on becoming more present. And the people that I found during that event, and this put me to my knees many times throughout there as I realized it, was my family, right? In business guys and gals out there, you know, it's when it comes to business, we put all of our blood, sweat, and tears into it, and we're doing it for the right reason. We're doing it because we wanna make our family's life better. We're doing it for all the right reasons. We don't want be able to take them on vacation. We wanna be able to buy them the cool stuff that maybe we didn't have as kids. But one thing you got to be careful of, and I was guilty of this up until two weeks ago, was I wasn't present. And when I say present, I mean, I was physically at soccer games. I was physically at spelling bees. I was physically there for dinner, but my mind was always somewhere else. I wasn't present in that moment. I was listening. It would go in one ear and out the other because my, my life was so much more important. My business was so much more important because that I did it for them. So I'm always, I could justify it all fucking day long about how it's so important. Their stuff is not that important. they are young kids, you know, they're only, they're 11 and 14. What do they really talk about? That's important. You know, they, they just yap and yap and yap all the time. So my mind tuned them out and I'm focused on me because I'm doing it for them. And what I realized and what took me down to my soul, Dwayne, was when I realized that I was doing it more for me and I was, I was robbing them of their father during their most critical time of growth, because I have somehow tricked my mind to think that all these businesses and all this stuff was so much more worth it than their time. And that realization changed everything in me. That realization, you know, when I came back from that event, I've completely switched around how I show up to them. I wrote them all letters, my wife and my two children. I wrote them letters and told them what, how life is going to be different and how I'm going to show up different and how I'm going to physically show up and be present every single time. Things like putting the phone in the cradle after a certain time at night and just being there with them, getting to know them as men. You know, they might only be 11 and 14, but guys out there, gals out there, you have kids, those times go so fast. When and I know that. It's just, it's so, so fast. And I realized that I knew them as you know people in my environment, but as as human beings, deep down, things that drive them. There are so many questions that I never really opened up because you know what, everything's fine. How was school today? It was good, cool. That was enough for me. Off I go. Like I, I did my time. I did my. I was present there for a moment. That sounds good, but that's not acceptable anymore. So everything had to change. And you know, in life, it's a constant, constant state of flux and change. And as you realize things and you grow. Then the next thing you know, you realize all the stuff you just learned isn't enough and you need to learn more. And then you realize that you're putting all your attention on one thing. And really, the whole goal of all of this, starting businesses, growing all that, isn't it all about spending time with the ones you love? Isn't that what it's really all about? And I lost my path in the way, trying to focus on what I thought was for family, but was really for me. I had to make that change. And making that change has completely shifted my life now. And I, I am much more proud as a human being the way I show up now in the last uh, week and a half or so. And yeah, I'm just so glad I figured that out at 43 and not at 63. Cause I would have wasted a lot yeah. of freaking time that way. And wow. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening to that. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's, and it's, something. you know what
1: happens, Joshua, you actually break the cycle, you know, because it's not that you were born that way. That's actually, that's how you were taught too. That's probably how your parents were taught. Matter of fact, that's let's, let's, let's open this fucker open. That's how society teaches men how we need to be. Like, you're not a real man unless you're busting your ass and killing yourself and making this money. Yep. You know I mean, and so you were just following what society does. Like whenever I, I talk to people and I sort of mentor a lot and I mentor, I mentor based on mindset. Um, I, I always break them down and let them know that 98% of the world is this way and only 2% is really free-minded living and following their dreams and doing their things. And I said, what's the chance of you meeting a two-percenter? And then even when you meet a two-percenter, nine times out of 10, you're gonna look at a two-percenter like you're fucking crazy. Like I feel like you and I are two-percenters and the rest of the people look at us like Josh and Dwayne are fucking nuts. What's wrong with these dudes? Because they're so used to 98%. And what's 98%? People living in fear, living in fight or flight, letting money control their lifestyle, thinking that the job is their life and they can't do anything else. You mean getting punked by this, I don't wanna go through the vaccine shit, but getting punked by vaccines, getting punked by everything else because they think their life has to be this way. And really we're born to live our lives, our lives and die by our lives. That's how we're supposed to be living. But yet we live in this other world of trying to be a part of everything else and being controlled. So we're taught this. You mean? And how do you break what 98% of the world is doing? Like, how do you break that shit? Like, that's not
0: easy to do. That's not easy to do, dude. It's, it's the inner work. Most people Mm -hmm. in their lives, especially if they're not able to be or not willing to be vulnerable and see themselves exactly as it stands right now, show up vulnerable, broken, flawed as we all are. Right. And and to show up that way each and every day and, you know most don't even want it that's just way too painful and way too tough to do so they they cloak it around this they create this identity around their businesses and they're like you know what you know i i am a whatever landscaper designer you know hardscaper uh, kitchen designer whatever it doesn't matter fill in the blank i am and you start becoming that and because you don't want to do the deeper work within yourself and then you find that when you're growing that business eventually you think i can do more but you don't know how the reason why you don't know how is because you haven't done the inner work. Once you understand how to do the inner work and you start going through those really rough parts of your body and your mind and start figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I capture this? I feel an emotion, but I don't know how to act upon. It. I don't know what it means. I, when I think of something, I feel a certain way. And again, mostly guys they are like, no way women are much better. The feminine energy is much better at, at processing that the masculine energy, not so much because we're not supposed to show that. Right. So yeah. it's really a matter of, of breaking that identity and think about, Okay, take the business away. Stop doing what you're doing for you know financial gain. Who are you as a human being? Pull the cloak back. Yeah. You're not the designer. You're not the hardscaper. You're not that guy anymore. You just sold that business. You just walked out. Tomorrow you start a brand new life. You're dropped in the middle of a desert. Who are you? What yeah. excites you? What, what do you stand for? Who are you going to serve? Who, what are you going to do? Like, Who are you as a human being? Most of us never get to that point because we're always so busy staying busy in the 98% bullshit stuff going on. Another big thing to do is just take that TV, throw it out your window. It's doing you no good. Mm -hmm. I don't watch news. I don't get involved in any of that stuff because it's all designed to keep you small-minded and it's designed to constantly keep eliciting fear no matter what the world's doing. It's always designed that way and keep your amygdala running wide open so you can't actually dig into the deeper part because if the whole world woke up, and started living from an inside out lifestyle like you know from inside they're being driven by their why by their souls by their creator all of that dude there would be no need for government There'd be no need for any of that stuff we'd all be leaders helping each other lead stronger it would just be a very very different world but that doesn't work in our society the way we have it now, at least the way they've, they've laid it out. So we have to, two percenters have to be the ones that jump up and say, look, I'm not taking that shit anymore. I know I've got more to give. I know I have more to serve in this life. And that is not helping me get there. It's actually slowing me down. So I need to shut that off and I need to start focusing on service, focusing on love and connection and focusing on growth for everyone, not just myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You ever, I, I've become, um, like a a mental business whisperer, like I think, like I can almost see and feel it now. And it's it's not something that I went to go seek out and say, I'm just going to be the fucking man. Like if I talk to somebody, I'm going to solve their problems. I didn't seek this out. It's just whatever has happened over the course of the few years, I can sort of feel it. I can have a conversation with people and they're telling me about what's going on in their life and business and can almost pinpoint the issue that they're having. And a lot of times the issue that they're having is is really based on the fear of lack of money. Mm-hmm. And that fear of lack of money creates this, I want to say sort of unhuman nature in them, that it's actually and we think it's human. Like we think. Like how you're saying is you're with your kid, you're with your family, and you're not even talking to them. You're at their football games and you're like, I gotta think of this business, gotta close this deal, gotta do this, I gotta call Dwayne, I gotta do this, like we got this. Da-da-da-da. You're not even there, but and you think that's the right way. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost it's this unhuman way, you know I mean, of life and experience. There, there's one gap that I have that I'll never get it back. And it pisses me off even now that I think about it. It was one of the hardest struggles that I was going through where I actually had to hop in that Uber car and run the business in Uber. And I didn't realize that this is what happened. It's it's when I lost a connection with my son, my youngest son. Mm-hmm. Up until that, even during the tough times, man, I I I played with him. Uh, we had a swimming pool where we lived. We had an indoor pool, outdoor pool. I would go hang out with him. I'd go play football with him. I mean, we would just, we would just hop in a car and do shit. You I mean, we just did all kind of stuff together. He was just, a, he was a little kid. He was a little kid at the time. So he's 14 now. And it may, maybe I could be hard on myself because 14 year olds are probably just assholes when they hit 14. <laughs> and so he was probably like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around that range. He was just, he was just my fucking buddy, bro. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was just my, matter of fact, his nickname is Buddy. You mean, hey, Buddy? You mean, hey, Buddy? And we just did all kind of stuff. And I, I'm looking at all the old videos. He looked real cute and he's cool. And then I got into the struggle. Yeah. And so I felt like this Ubering or I just felt like work it wasn't just Ubering, just felt like work was the only way out. And so 24 seven, it was just it was just I only came home at 11 o'clock and I was back out by seven, 11, seven, 11, seven, 11 So every day. And it was I mean, this lasted for like a year and a half. You mean come home at 11, back out by seven, 11, back out by seven, just never home, just grind, grind, grind. The only time, I, And then when I was home, I was sleep. You know mm-hmm. I mean just trying to catch up on? You mean know, what's going on? And now I watch Buddy. Buddy, smart mouth, talk shit. You know I mean he says little smart shit to you. You know I mean little stuff like that. Now he's walking around with his pants sagging. I want to snatch him off his off his ass. And he's not the cool buddy anymore. And maybe that's what 14 year old kids like he's coming to himself or whatever. Or then sometimes I'm like, man, that gap right there that that I did just to try to make money and pay the bills. That's the gap where I lost my buddy, you know?
0: Yeah, man, there's nothing worse than as a parent, the regret of thinking you had to trade your time and your family, because, again, that's what we do it all for, the ones we love. Right. So to trade that for money just to justify it. And, you know, what if there was a way that you could have both? What if there's a way maybe you slow down the speed in which your trajectory in business goes, but you increase the amount of time you stay present with your family? And that was, I cannot believe, you know, all the books I have read on being present and all of that stuff and, and, you know, daily rituals and all of this and visualization that I could miss that piece. That I could, I was mm-hmm. like, because I was physically there, right? That's 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 what society says, you know. Fathers they show up, mothers they show up, and they, and as long as you're there, you're at the football game, you're at the birthday party, you showed up, but you're playing with your fucking phone the whole time. You got people dinging you left and right. You've got things to do. Your mind is in fifteen different emails, and you're trying to figure out how the hell you're going to make Monday even work. You know what I mean? And the next thing you know your child looks up at you and you look and smile at them and you're right back into it again. And you miss that entire experience because you're somewhere else. And we're all guilty of it. I was guilty as hell of this, but now being, you know, being aware of it, realizing that now I've, I've, I've gone to them. I've showed them my flaws. I have discussed those flaws with each one of them. And I said, I need you to help keep me more accountable. You know, this isn't just a me thing. And I I don't want you to hear me say these words. I'm going to show you through the way you feel my presence. You're going to feel my, my presence in your life and you're going to feel what's happening. You're going to see me there present, not just hear my words, because that's an easiest out right now. Anybody listening, it's like, yeah, I don't have the time. I'm just going to tell them I'm going to be there and then not really be there. The, the next level to that is have your family feel your presence and your focus and your attention when they feel it, dude, there's nothing else. Cause that's, that's the model you, you're especially raising children. It's a matter of, you know, are you trying to create the model that you want them to emulate? And is it the stressed out crazy person who is never there, barely makes dinners anymore while they're still warm because they're out chasing money. Is that really what, what you want for your children? You're doing it for them, but what you're really doing is you're creating a model for their existence as well. And they're going to go one of two ways. They're going to go wide open into it, be stressed out, and probably end up doing drugs and all kinds of other stuff just to manage it all. Or they're going to go the opposite and be lazy and be like, I never want that life. I'm going to go get a job for somebody, a nine to five, so I can actually live my life because my dad could never do that. My mother could never do that. They were constantly working. So what are you actually showing them? What kind of model are you you providing for those kids? If you imagine a world where you could be, you know, a business owner, an entrepreneur, be present when you're in your business, be present when you're with your family and be able to balance this whole thing out so that it doesn't eat you alive and eat your soul. And you can actually show up each and every day, your best version of yourself. Imagine a life like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause what is all this? Like we all want to be successful. Okay. And we think that success is a lot of money or this big company and more and more I'm learning that's not success. Like success is having that balance of what you're saying um, of what you just said. That's what success is. And it's hard for somebody to get it in the beginning because they're like, dude, Dwayne, you, you and Joshua are crazy. I can't do that. And I'm going to put it out there to you guys listening. Yes, the fuck you can't. And you get what you want in life. And the moment you say I'm going to balance my life and balance my business and balance the joy of everything is going to be around it, that's what you're going to get. Okay. If you keep doubling down thinking you got to work 24-7 to pay bills and be away from your family, that's what you're creating. And that's what you're going to get. Trust me, I lived it. I lived it. I am, I am the epitome of that. Like I live this life. I am a workaholic. I can, I can work. I, I, the Mexicans quit working for me because they were like, no more, man. No, like, no more, man. No more work, man. No more work, man. My Mexicans would tell me no more work. So I'm a workaholic. And, and I, so I know it's like, and I was not, I had this family. I'm showing up around the family. When I come home, I'm beating on my chest. Like I got a family, but do I really have a family? I mean, do you really have a family? Yeah. And they're telling you, dad, where are you at? The wife is, the only arguments I'm having with the wife because I'm not around. Yeah, and no. I'm like, what the fuck you mean I'm around? Like, I got money for you, you got this, that, and that. And I'm getting mad, I'm taking it personal. Yeah." And they're saying, no, we don't want the money. We want you, so you want the nice car, your nice house, and da, da, And you know what? I can have all that shit too. Yeah. With the family, the nice house, the nice car. If that's, if that's what I said I wanted,
0: yeah. That's it. The family just wants you. At the end of the day your children just want you present. Your wife just wants you present. You wonder why when your business starts growing and you become, you know, run and ragged all the stress that comes with that if you don't have the right systems and processes in place and a team in place to take off some of that burden if you're doing it all yourself, which let's face it guys, most of us start out that way. I started out that way, right? But The reality is all they want is you and the business all it wants is you. So you put priority in that because that provides those things that you think you can fill in the gap. Your lack of presence, you're going to buy that house, that car, and that's going to do it for you. Look, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm working all these hours. I'm stressed out beyond my, but look, we live in this beautiful three, four, five thousand square foot house. And we just bought brand new vehicles and we go on the best vacations and all that stuff. You're just filling in a fucking hole. All they want is you. Mm -hmm. that's all they want is you. And you wonder why your, your, your marriage and everything like that starts to suffer when you start becoming more successful in your business and you put all your focus there, you take it away from your spouse. And the next thing you know, that starts to slow down right? You don't have as, uh, great conversations. It's you're, you're testier back and forth with each other. You're, you're shorter with each other, sex changes, right? All of a sudden you're like, shit, like we don't want to touch each other anymore. Cause I'm too busy. I'm thinking about everything else. And, and she is, doesn't know she's I'm not emotionally available. So she just, you know, doesn't want to even get involved. And you're like, what the hell my marriage is all, all crap. You know, she must be wanting to cheat on me or whatever. And I start going through all these crazy things in your head and th- step back, look in the mirror and realize most likely you're responsible for that. Mm-hmm. you need to show up. All they want is you present, mm-hmm. build a business that you can be present there. You can be present when you're home and your life will automatically balance, yeah. but you've got to put the fucking work in to be there when you're there, show up for them, put that phone away, shut the business off. That's when you actually start becoming successful. Yeah.
1: That, that is, that is it. That is it. Like you will run down this rabbit hole until you, cause the universe Wants you to have what you asked of it, and the universe is going to give you hell until you start doing what you want. It's just the way it works. It just, I just finished reading The Alchemist, mm-hmm. um, and and it's actually the third time I read it because the first few times we didn't understand it. So the third time now it's hit me like a it's a good breaks, one, it's like I'm wide open now. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, but the universe wants you to have what you've asked for and you have this family or just anything. Like you might not be married. You might not have any kids. You might have your mom, your dad. I mean, your brothers that you're not showing up to and showing up for you. mean, like um, one of the greatest things that just happened to myself in our lives is um, after my father died, my brothers and my mom, we had this rift, dude, and it lasted. It just lasted too long. It lasted for shit, like five years. Mm -hmm. And maybe six years, it was horrible. It's like, we weren't talking to each other. Like my brothers and I, we were all business partners. Like this whole thing started really, and I know my other brothers, Maurice and David and Bernard, they're probably gonna feel singled out from this, but this whole business started with Andrew, Roy, and myself. like We all sat in these trucks and we worked our asses off as little kids. And the lives that we're living now, this is, I'm talking, dude, I'm, I'm going back to 15, 16, you mean 14, 15, 16 years old is where we were. We were driving these trucks, cutting this grass. And the lives that we're living now, is what we discussed that we were going to do back in these trucks years ago. Matter of fact, I just sent the three of them a message the other day like, do you guys understand that we we are living the lives that we talked about you mean, back then? Mm -hmm. But we had this huge riff where everybody was blaming each other. You took this from me or I took this from you. And because of you is this. And this shit was horrible, dude. Like it lasted for years. Like not talking to my brother, not talking, not really talking to my mom, not really talking to my family over what we all thought about each other. Mm -hmm. It was finally one day, dude, I just fucking picked up the phone and called my brother. And even when I called, he was talking shit like, dude, because of you, because of this. And I just basically I just told him there's no right. There's no wrong. But I'm calling you to squash this shit. And, yeah. and everything in my body want to say, you know, you motherfucker, stop talking to me like that. I'll beat your ass. You know I me mean, like you little bitch. Like I wanted to say all that, but I had to hit that vulnerable state. Like if you're going to clean this up and get this together and live this authentic life that you really want to live, this real powerful, real deep, the realest fucking life possible. Let that shit go. And I let it go. And now we we got a dope ass relationship. you know what I mean? He just he just bought a brand new house. He just not bought one. He just fucking built a brand new house. That's you know awesome. mean, he wants us to go down for Thanksgiving, but I just spent so much money on I got blown or out on that vacation that we took, like it was just like way over budget. and I got the cash to go visiting, but I'm like, I just don't know if I could drop another three grand <laughs> you know yeah. for Thanksgiving. You mean somebody wants to donate it to me? I'm game, but I'm like, I'm trying to lick my wounds from this vacation we took on that fucking horses and you know I mean Airbnb with <laughs> elevators, flying horse. everybody in and shit. You know what I mean I'm flying everybody in from all different locations. You know what I mean? Like that was some baller shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I really do want to go hang out with them, the family, and stuff like that. And I'm just so happy that we're able to hit this on the other side. And I saw my wrongs. You know what I mean? Like I saw that I was trying to build. I used to say, man, it's all for us. It's all for us. And I didn't, I wasn't being selfish, but I was like, I just kept seeing like, if I do it, it's going to work. So not that it's all for us, just let me do it and it'll go work and I'll bring it back tenfold. And what it did, it just folded the whole operation. Yeah. You know I mean it, because I was so targeted trying to get this thing going, get this thing going and hell, I was twenty twenty one. You know I mean? Yeah. Didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Now. I was a whole different dude at 20 years old.
0: Yeah. You know I mean? For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's no straight line to this whole thing we call life or business you know, this whole human experience. And, you know, especially as men, we're constantly contemplating the fact or we're told to at least, you know, are we enough? Are are, yeah. are we? Do we have enough? Are we able to build this business? Are we able to be that husband? Are we able to be, you know, that leader? Are we able to be that father? Do we have enough within us, right? Because let's face it, guys, the the way the world is anymore, there's a lot more boys running around in men's bodies than there are men walking around in men's bodies nowadays, and they're they're posturing as 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 men, and they really have no fucking clue what life's about, but they're trying to tell you how to live your life, right? So. You know, you really got to be careful with who you listen to, because that's a that's a big piece right there. But, you know, and also men have to think about, you know, do I have what it takes to be a good husband, to be a leader? Right. Am I enough? Do I have what it takes? These are questions that we all have going through our minds, you know, and what if I fail? That's another big one, right? That one plagued me for years. What if I fail? What if I did all this, spent all this money and it didn't work? What if I I did this? What would people think? What would they say? Oh, my God. What would they talk around Thanksgiving dinner? Like, oh, my goodness, I'm afraid of judgment. So play it safe, guys. That's why the 98% do what they do, because they play it safe. They can always blame society. They can blame the government. They can blame NASA. It doesn't matter who the hell they blame. But the reality is they don't have to ever take responsibility for their future and for their destiny, those things are, are someone else's problem and they just didn't get the, the lucky draw. They, they weren't part of the lucky sperm club. They didn't get the chance to go out and do these things. But the reality is that when you take your life into control, as much control as we can have in this ex, you know human experience and start directing it, it becomes a very different experience for, for you. And when you stop thinking that others have control of what happens and you start realizing that everything in life happens, you know, for you, not to you. And start looking at it as learning opportunities and take every single one of those and say, please bring me more opportunities to learn. Some people call that failure. I call it learning. And once you're willing to be vulnerable and accept the fact you don't know everything and you don't have a perfect plan. And if you live a lifestyle of ready, fire, you know, aim, right, then you're going to figure it out along the way. But if everything has to be perfect, you won't take those moves and you won't build that confidence. And you'll never know whether you could have done it or not. And you live with yeah. regret most of your life thinking, oh, if I would have just pulled that trigger, if I would have just pulled the trigger and figured it out, I would have had the opportunity to have a business that I could pass on to my children or hell, even if I don't pass it on, that they can grow up in and help me out and learn how to be a leader. Or if I would have taken that job position and said, you know, wow, that would have impacted people's lives and brought such joy to my life. But I just never, I never took the chance. I was afraid I'd fail. I didn't know if I had what it took. I didn't know if I'd be enough. Fuck that. Do it, figure it out, build that person from the ground up. We're all constantly being built. Every day, Dwayne and I are reading books. We're talking to people. We're going to growth events. We're doing whatever we can. You can even watch YouTube. It doesn't have to be expensive. Every day, we're trying to grow by two millimeters in all the different facets of our life. And not for the sake of growth, but for the sake of contribution. Because the more we have, the more we can give, the more we can offer to the world, to the universe, to God, whatever you're focused on, you can give more to it. You know, they always say about money is a, is a magnifier, right? They always, the old adage was, you know, money is the root of all evil, right? The reality is money is a magnifier. If you're an asshole and you're rich, you're a rich asshole. If you're a giving, loving, supportive, helpful person, and you have a lot of money, you just have more, you have more of an impact with that. You can take that money and you can help more of that stuff. So it's a magnifier, not something that defines you as a bad person for sure.
1: Dude. And if you're broke, more money makes you broker. (laughs) <laughs> can, like, yeah. like, the mindset, you, yeah. you know, you understand that. Like if you're broke, more money will make you broker. Like more money will will take you deeper in the hole. So you gotta figure that shit out too. Learn how to manage that. Hey, I I want to drop this one. We'll probably, I mean, bring this to an end on this one. Um, my my son is 26 and what I love about the kids that we're raising now is is that we're, we're removing the limited beliefs onto them at early ages. Mm-hmm. So we're pushing them in ways that our parents didn't know how to push us. And so nothing against my parents is just that the way they were taught and raised, but we're completely changing the script in our household, my wife and myself. And we're just like, my son is 26. I mean, I don't even want to put his salary out there, but he's six figure earner. You I mean, working at a, LinkedIn. I mean, this guy's killing it, 26 years old. And we have some very profound conversations um, with each other. And there's no hidden. It's like, it's not this dad son conversation. It's conversation as men and it's real life. Like we talk about women. We talk about booty. We talk about the issues of trying to manage booty and women. Like we talk about it all. Like we don't, I don't hold this back and give this child a lie. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm gearing him for real life. Like this is the fucking wilderness out there. If I don't give him the weapons and the tools to live out in this wilderness, he's lost and somebody's going to chew his ass up. So we have real, I mean, earth shattering conversations. And just two days ago, we were talking about humbleness. And he was like, people say you got to be humble. And I said, son, I love you to death, but you got to watch who the fuck says you need to be humble. I said, because you're going to understand, 98% of the world is is holding themselves back. I said, they're humble and my humble are two different humbles. I said, because their humble is, is don't do this or don't put it out there because I'm afraid it's not going to work. I said, my humble is okay. I'm the man, I'm the shit. I'm going to get it the fuck done, but I respect where I came from. And I said, you only are going to understand that unless you understand that. And he just stopped. He said, wow, I got it. I said, you got it? You sure? I said, because it's not the words that I said. You got to feel what I said. He said, dad, I got it. I got it. I said, so I get the humble part. You got to be humble, but there's two humbles and you can't be the humble of afraid it's not going to work or you're you're not going to tell anybody about something i'm telling everybody i'm buying this airplane okay i'm telling everybody and one side of my me is saying don't do it just in case it doesn't work but fucking i'm telling everybody because i'm gonna pull it off you know what I mean just like gary v gary v's telling everybody he's buying the jets or whatever you know what I mean he's gonna pull it off jay-z told everybody what the hell he's gonna do puffy told everybody what the hell he's gonna do and he's doing it we used to all think he was arrogant or assholes or whatever, because that was a 98% humble. We're on the 2% humble now. And we respect where we come from. I was broke as hell. I come from nothing. I came from the hood. You mean don't really have any education. You mean raised three kids, family, wife, and built it up. I got some beautiful brothers, moms, family, everything. They're all doing very well now. That's my humble. I respect the fuck out of that. But I'm a dog and I'm going to come out here and I'm going to kill this every single day. So if you guys are listening and you got you're holding back, get the fuck out of your whole back, grit down and go for it and go for life. Go for real life. Don't go for this halfway shit, or I don't think I'm going to make it, or I think I got to do this. Stop letting other people program and control your life. Jump into this world of 2%. If you want to holler at 2%ers, give us a call, hit me up, text me, and I'll give you 2% information to live a real fucking authentic life.